What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 147, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Chimera. Chimera. All the parts. All the parts moved into one thing, eh? 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 Oh, boy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And more jokes like that? Yeah, you know, you know, no one no one could pay us to make jokes, and no one does. We're an independent podcast. And if you'd like <laughs> to support the show, you could do so over at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Uh, if you do, you'll have uh, perks and privileges depending on the, the different levels. Um, uh, but uh, uh, certain levels give you some votes to vote on episodes that we will rewatch in one of the perks that you get for being on Patreon, which is listening to Patreon first stuff like Stargate Second Chances. That's where, based off those votes, Zach and I rewatch certain episodes. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with that one. We got, uh, as I mentioned last week, we've got a vague plan that involves many months uh, to catch up with uh, some of the shows that we have to do there, but still looking forward to it and a lot of fun. Uh, David, a good friend of the show and quasi showrunner and uh, 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 trailer producer, and Zach, they get together and they do The Other Side of the Gate where spoilerific or thematic or big picture things are talked about, generally things that if I were part of the conversation, they couldn't really talk about it without actually revealing some stuff that I probably shouldn't know. So lots of fun if you are a longtime Stargate fan and want to go to the deep dive, they got that stuff going on. And then we also have the uh, the Glutton for Punishment, Stargate Infinity, We Lost a Bet. Uh, it was a stretch goal, and we have reached that stretch goal, and we continue to reach that stretch goal. Thank you so much for your generosity, friends. And as a result, we have to watch Stargate Infinity, the non-canonical animated series from the early 2000s that has nothing to do with Stargate other than there's a Stargate and there's words, and they have sometimes similar technology. Actually, not really. Uh, no, it's in some wacky future where apparently all of our guns have turned into laser beams yes so it's like like gi joe in that regard like yeah we don't actually yeah. use i mean it's still like a normal gun but well sort of it's like a technicolor gun <laughs> and more to the point though they haven't refer other so other than stargate stargate command like that's it. I don't think they've mentioned anything from the from SG one at all. Um it's off no. in its own little now, island. The the Klon's primary weapon does look remarkably like a staff weapon. Yes. So clearly it's like we don't have the proprietary rights to use Guauld and that would be hard to say. <laughs> and so we want a lizard, but so these are our, you know, stand ins for the Guauld. Yeah. And and their ships look remarkably like pyramids. Uh, yeah, that's right. They do have pyramid ships. That's right. Anyway, so that stuff's on Patreon. But if you're saying to yourself, but wait, I don't want to give you money, then have no fear. Uh, as Zach and I end up taking breaks from time to time because we have real life and this is the hobby, uh, what we do is that we throw in stuff that we have released on Patreon onto the main feed. So you can absolutely listen to all that stuff eventually. Um, don't stress it. But uh, if you want if you want early access and you want to support the show, Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Now, if you have friends in your life or family in your life or enemies in your life that you are like, you need to listen to two guys go on and on about a science fiction show because there's not enough of that in the world. You can tell them that they can enrich their lives by listening to our podcast anywhere podcasts are found except for some major parts. Then that's because I'm a jerk. But you can find it on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts and on Google Podcasts. 
But what you should do is that you should take advantage that podcasts are basically a federated technology and you can use any podcast aggregator that can access an RSS feed to get at the audio content. So why are you feeding into the big boys there when you can have your own thing going on? Get yourself a podcast aggregator and go looking up Walking Through the Stargate and you'll be able to find us and listen to us. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that Brent suddenly hates Twitter because Elon Musk is involved, how might they let us know that? Well, you could easily uh, tweet us at Stargate Walking mm. and use this, yeah, uh, Elon Musk, oh boy. In any case. <laughs> oh, billionaires ruin things. I think that's just, that, that's an axiom. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of good things in this world. You anyway, know, if you, you have very special opinions about Twitter or about Facebook or about Google or about any other mm. mammoth or massive uh, technological conglomeration, you can let us know by emailing us at walking through the stargate <laughs> at gmail.com. At gmail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> uh, I remember way back in the day, Brent, I think I was having a conversation with you that we were talking, this would have been close to 15 years ago I'm like you know mm. if it ever turned out that Apple and Google turned out to be evil I'd be in real big trouble yes and, and uh, yeah mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say that they have gone to the dark side but they are certainly flirting with it I'd say that they're at the dark side but that's okay they, like I said there's a lot of good things and they still do good things they still do very good things yeah and they also want to make money do less good things <laughs> they're gonna find every way they can think of to make some money yeah. so yeah but you know the reality is that as frustrating as all of this technology technology stuff is it does give us the opportunity to communicate to do things like have a podcast to do things like talk about a fun tv show oh yeah to do things like hanging out with uh, my good, good friend Brent, and mm-hmm. with all of the new listeners and people that, that I get to interact with online yep. for in various and sundry ways. Uh, and so technology is a frustrating thing, and yet there's also a lot of good things to it. It does a lot of good things. And if you have a dissertation that talks all about this stuff and you really, really, really want me to read it, turn it into an <laughs> audiobook because that's probably the only way I'm going to get to it. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Or yeah, or you could go to the discords, right, and have yeah. fun little conversation there. Uh, you know, no the memes are memeing away on the discords, so uh-huh. you know, go and meme. Um, you know, have conversations about whether you should or shouldn't write. You know, epic tomes for your reviews on uh, episodes of Stargate <laughs> and the like. Uh, for those of you who have written epic tomes for your reviews for a particular episode that we might or might not be talking about today, and then decided to edit them down so they're not quite as epic, I appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, or you can also go to Patreon and, and uh, join us there for all of that stuff that Brent talked about. That's right. Uh, we do have the next stretch goal is still quite a ways away, but it's there. It's the little tiny light at the end of the tunnel at $200 a month. Oh, my goodness, Brent. We have agreed that if we get to $200 a month, we'll figure out a way to make this audio podcast some sort of video podcast. I don't know why I agreed to that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, I, I suspect that at that point in time, it'll be me and you staring into our webcams and going, hi. Oh, yeah, that's going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've tweeted uh, uh, pictures about what it would probably look like. It would look like me with a mic in my face. <laughs> that's what oh, it would yeah. look like. Yeah, well, you staring know. Staring blankly off screen. <laughs> so, so, like, yeah, the, the camera for me would be to my left of my microphone. And so I'll be, like, looking at the microphone, and I'll be looking at the camera, and then I'll turn my notes, which are over here to the right of the camera. And so you'll see a lot of the left profile of my face. Yeah, yeah, you'd probably be seeing a lot of the right profile. So it would look like we were looking at each other. But but if this is what you want, <laughs> dear folks, <laughs> patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Oh, my gosh. Oh, now the catch though on that one is that it has to be sustained, right? Like, can't just be. A, we're not going to do a one-off. That's ridiculous. Well, you, we'll we'll see what happens. Yes, Brent. Right now, we're we have to increase the current Patreon level by more than a hundred percent. Yeah, to yeah, get there, that's, we're we're we're. I'm I'm in no danger. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Uh, Good. Dear listeners, I have no idea exactly how it would work. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. But if you want to force me to figure it out, oh, geez. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Brent, you know, it'd be me that figures out how it works, and then you'd follow along. So, yep. Um, I, I do have some ideas, but I'm not sure how it would be, like, fun to watch. But, hey, you know, people like to do weird things. That's true. And All right. We'll watch them do weird things. Um, In hey, should we talk about this episode? We should. We should. Okay. This episode, Chimera, is directed by William Waring. Mm -hmm. That's a name we haven't heard for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, this is his third total directing credit. He mm -hmm. did Prophecy in season six, and he did Meridian in season five. Mm-hmm. And after this, he's got 10 more directing credits later on in the series. Mm -hmm. okay. so we will see his name more as the series, the seasons uh, progress. Uh, the story was written by Robert C. Cooper and the mm -hmm. teleplay by Damien Kindler. Mm -hmm. This is Damien's fifth of five writing credits this season. Mm -hmm. He did Fragile Balance, Space Race, Evolution Part 1, and Grace. And he also has a story credit for Evolution Part 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did all of that, and uh, this is the last time we'll see his name in Season 7. Uh, but I'm, we will see it in... Uh, we have a few guest actors that we do need to talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. One, we say hello again to Anna Louise Plowman, who plays Osiris slash Dr. Sarah Gardner. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome to her for that. Welcome. Uh, we say hello to David DeLuise. I thought he looked familiar. He is, in fact, the uh, youngest son of Dom DeLuise yeah. and Carol Arthur, um, and the youngest brother of uh, Peter DeLuise and mm -hmm. Michael DeLuise. We've mm -hmm. actually now seen all four of the DeLuise men in Stargate at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, he is... Uh, now, I do need to read this, because this is... Uh, David DeLuise's own IMDb mini-biography. Okay. David DeLuise is an actor, director, producer, and son of legendary actor and comedian Dom DeLuise and actress Carol Arthur. His godparents are Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft. Dang, okay. 
DeLuise is now perhaps the most popular dad on TV. He's won the admiration of millions of children and parents alike for his portrayal of family patriarch Jerry Russo on the hit Emmy Award-winning Disney Channel series Wizards of Waverly Place. He also starred in Wizards of Waverly Place, the movie, which aired on the Disney Channel to over 25 million viewers. DeLuise has been a familiar face to television audiences for years in the hit series Stargate SG-1 and Third Rock from the Sun, and guest starred in Shameless, NCIS, Hawaii Five-O, Real Rob, Rizzoli and Isles, Baby Daddy, Bones, Without a Trace, ER, Monk, Gilmore Girls, CSI, CSI New York, and CSI Miami. A lot of CSI. Indeed. On the big screen, DeLuise has appeared in Pop Star, Unbroken Path to Redemption, Vampires Suck, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, he was a mentor. Okay. okay. He has directed episodes of How to Rock, Sea Dead Run, Lab Rats, and The Thundermans. The Thundermans? I think it's <laughs> Lab Rats and the Thundermans. Oh, Lab Rats and the Thundermans. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> Indeed. David began his career at the age of eight when he starred as Dom's son in the TV movie Happy. Uh-huh. DeLuise is married to German actress, director, and voiceover artist Julia Stopel. Mm-hmm. IMDb mini biography by David DeLuise. Okay, there we go. Um, as I mentioned, he is the uh, younger brother of David and Michael DeLuise, uh, of the younger brother of Peter and Michael DeLuise. Uh, Michael played Nick Marlowe slash Colonel Danning in Wormhole Extreme, just to <laughs> remind you of that. <laughs> um, suffice it to say, we will see Pete Shanahan again. Yeah, I noticed the way that it was phrased up there. Yep. Um, uh, this is not the last time we will see Pete. Um, I mean, I he mean, guest starred in a whole lot of things, but he was in Stargate SG-1, it said. Well, yeah, it did say mm. that. Um, mm-hmm. And and while he will be in several episodes, he's never going to be a starring. Yeah, but uh, you'll be fine. Okay, yeah, you got me there. All right. Um, you know, he played, like I mentioned, he did play, uh, his first IMDb is Happy, and he played Rogi in mm-hmm. that. Uh, his next uh, IMDb, because I was looking, was from an episode of 21 Jump Street in ah. 1990, mm-hmm. which happens to be Peter DeLuise's show as well. Yep, yep. Uh, and now we also have uh, Paul Jarrett, who plays Special Agent Faraday. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1961. Uh, he began performing as a mime at the age of 15. Mm. Uh, all of this is what I get from IMDb. I don't actually vet this stuff, so who knows? But I believe it. It's probably true. Uh, in 92, he landed the starring role in the Canadian cult classic Road to Saddle River. Uh, and Paul has since had a number of starring and guest rolling, uh, starring and guest starring roles. I'll get that out. In both film and television. Guest rolling. Uh, Guest rolling, yeah. Uh, (laughs) If you look at his IMDb list, uh, if it was recorded in Vancouver, he was probably in it at some point in time. Mm -hmm. Most recently, uh, he has played Perry White in a few episodes of Superman and Lois. Mm -hmm. Um, So there you go. 
we will actually see him in a couple more SG-1 episodes, though those will be uncredited roles. And we'll see him in an episode of Atlantis. Um, all of these are different characters. So we've gotcha. seen the end of, of uh, Faraday. Uh, sorry. Um, his first IMDb credit came in 1989 in the TV series Border Town. He played the character Ira in the episode Trap. Mm-hmm. So there you, you have it. Everybody else is a starring character, and so we don't need to talk about them. Nope. Yep. All right. The original air date for Chimera was January 30, 2004 in the U.S. And in the U.K., they were watching this 10 days earlier on January 20th, 2004. Mm-hmm. Number one they on the charts. The mm-hmm. What was that? What? They live in the future. They, they, well, Brits. They, yeah, they, yes. Uh, number one on the charts is Hey Yeah by Outcast and All mm-hmm. This Time by Michelle in the U.S. Uh-huh. and U.K. respectively. Yep. Yep. We have not decided how to be new and fresh we're going to you know hold on to the old classics it's a good one i i I have no (laughs) issues with it now in the box office number one is a brand new movie you got served ah i don't and my question is that like a tennis serve or like served like tea and crumpets Mm -hmm. whatever who knows served like papers Uh, i don't know i I, I think what, what happens is that they take the lead and they roll the lead up into a little ball, like a tennis roll ball, and they mm-hmm. hit it with a racket or, mm-hmm. or a bat or something like that. You got Julie is looking at me like I am absolutely crazy. And it's probably true. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. But all of this will, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. The next one is butterfly effect. <laughs> uh-huh. after, the butterfly, by, after the butterfly effect has come to an end, along came Polly. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, Polly sounds like the name of some animal or creature or something from the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Does uh, it? Probably okay. not, but, you know, it could be, <laughs> you know. And after all this, and you listen to me yammer for this, like, last minute and a half, mm-hmm. and all you can do is give me the perfect score. Oh, okay. That actually, that's that was that was almost that that was a bane right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You did. You, you got it. There. You, there you go. There you go. All right. Now. Well done. What was happening at this time? Well, on January twenty sixth, two thousand two thousand four, mm-hmm. my doom, the most destructive computer worm to date was first sighted on computers in North America, uh, it goes on to cause $38 billion in damages. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. 38,000 million. 38,000 million. Mm-hmm. That is a true. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it 38 million thousand? Okay, you could do that one too. Or 38 billion. Yes. <laughs> um. A few days later, on February 1st, we have Super Bowl 38. The New England Patriots beat the Carolina Panthers 32-29. to Tom Brady wins his MVP, uh, an MVP, uh, an one MV- of many. <laughs> Tom Brady wins another MVP. <laughs> now, you know, one would think that, you know, a, a particular team winning the Super Bowl... Um, might be important, and the mm-hmm. reality is the Patriots have won so many Super Bowls, and Tom Brady 
uh, leading them that it's kind of old hat. Even by Super Bowl 38, it was kind of old hat already. <laughs> um, so that by itself was not terribly noteworthy. However, this Super Bowl, Super Bowl 38, was a very noteworthy Super Bowl in mm-hmm. the history of Super Bowls and Super Bowl halftime shows and the like. Without oh. looking at the notes, can you remember what this was? Unfortunately, I already did look at the notes. Ah, well, this is the infamous wardrobe malfunction yeah. when Janet Jackson is uh, playing, uh, who, who's, who's, is it Timberlake? Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. We're doing the halftime show, and in the process of doing this, that, and the other thing, oops, she reveals her breast to the world at the halftime show. The beerb. Yes. There was a skit. Uh, well, yeah. We're going to talk about the most scandalous thing, the beerb. I don't know that skit. Is that an SNL skit? I think so. Ah, well, there you go. Uh, in any case... Uh, th- this, uh, I actually do remember watching that live and I'm of like, course. holy smokes. We all were. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a shocker. Uh, it, it didn't last more than like half a second. Um, but there it was. And the, the amount of vitriol poured out at Janet Jackson for this mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. inappropriate. Uh, it, it is oh, really oh, yeah. un- no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the reaction was completely wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Emphatically wrong. <laughs> it, it, it was, was one of the most TiVo'd moments in TiVo's history, though. Oh, well, yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. People really um, liked to rewind that scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. So, mm-hmm. in any case, that was that. Um, on February 4th, a couple of days later... Mark Zuckerberg launches the Facebook from his Harvard dorm room. As a way to rate the attractiveness of the women uh, students in Harvard. I never said it was a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I am stating... What hey, happened? So, so you know, hey, friends, if uh, if you're saying to yourself, boy, Brent is salty today. Well, yeah, it's also it's also, you know, a gloomy, rainy day here where I'm at. And um, and uh, just wait till we get to the episode. Anyway, carry on, Zach. Oh, so uh, I have some trivia for this episode. OK, uh, apparently, maybe you didn't know this, but according to the internets, uh a chimera is a fire-breathing Greek monster made up of a lion, a goat, and a serpent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, according to the uh, the commentary for this episode, it is specifically a female fire-breathing Greek monster oh, made up of a lion, a goat, and that, a serpent. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, part of this has to do with the idea that not only is Sarah slash Osiris a threat and blah, 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 all of that stuff, but also yeah. um, all of uh, uh, Carter's boyfriends seem to die um, yeah. up until this point. I mean, that joke at the beginning of the series or the yeah. beginning of the episode, um, it's not really a joke. All of her former boyfriends have ended up dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and is she the chimera? And, you know, well, who knows? There's layers upon layers. I just took it to mean that the story had a lot of different parts. You know, you can, you know, honestly, everybody who looks at this name and like, what is going on? uh, (laughs) Yeah, there you go. 
Now, the script specifically called for Samantha to hum in the elevator when she was there with O'Neill, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it did not specify (laughs) specifically what to hum. Mm -hmm. And her first idea was to prank Richard uh, and by, by humming the theme song to MacGyver. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she couldn't remember what that theme song was in the moment and she didn't have enough time to figure it out and go look it up on the internets and all that stuff because the internets did actually exist at that point in time you could have done yep. it but she didn't have the time to do that and so she decided to start humming the Stargate theme instead <laughs> that was a great fourth wall moment that was oh, that yeah. was fun. That I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like the whole scene a lot. That that was a great yeah. scene. Uh, there, there's a lot of good things in this episode. <laughs> this All episode right. does a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it doesn't stop there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now, the role of Pete Shanahan was originally written, and uh, they asked Ben Browder from Farscape uh, to do that, to be Pete Shanahan. But Mm -hmm. he was unavailable um, at the time, and so it went to uh, David DeLuise instead. However, we will get a chance to see Ben Browder uh, in Stargate SG-1 in the future. So, Mm -hmm. there you go. He will... uh, uh, make an appearance. Sarah slash Osiris hands Daniel a black tablet and says the carbon dating shows it to be 10,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, here's the problem. That tablet appears to be something made out of, like, obsidian or glass or, yeah. or something like that. And you can't carbon date. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> you know, uh, well, but it's a dream. It's a dream. It was a dream. Well, I, I mean, you know, that, that, that's fair. I, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, but still, uh, but still, there you go. So, yeah, you need something that actually like has carbon, like, <laughs> carbon, and like like enough porousness in it yeah. that it can like hold on to that carbon for time. Yes. Um, now, in the opening scene. Sam Carter states that there is no zoo in Colorado Springs. Now, in fact, there is a nationally renowned zoo, uh-huh. the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs, which was Wait founded by minute. Spencer Penrose in 1938. Um, what was that? Cheyenne Mountain Zoo? Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs. It's 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 a thing. That's not a very nice name for NORAD. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brent... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> They're talking about the SGC, not NORAD. Come on. Oh, that's a, that's a, that, that place is just a, that's a zoo down there. Oh, yeah. Um, now, uh, when this episode aired and all of this happened, you know, the Internet explodes and like is yelling about all these things about the zoo. And there is a zoo and blah, 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 blah. Now, Joseph Malazzi in an interview later says that... Uh, uh, this was actually supposed to be a subtle hint that Carter spends so much time at work that she doesn't even realize her city has a zoo and mm-hmm. such. Um, you can buy that if you want. Now, uh, at the very beginning of this episode, the first shot of this episode 
it's there for like five seconds, mm-hmm. is a building that I have walked through many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, Blaine Hall from the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools in mm-hmm. Hyde Park, Chicago. Mm-hmm. When I was going to school in Chicago, I was living in Hyde Park. Uh, this would have been 15 years ago, roughly. And I was working in their afternoon after-school program at the laboratory schools, and so I got to walk those halls quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really cool when I saw that. Um, <laughs> it, that's fun, having that yeah. show up like that. Yeah. So that way back, that you get to see that in a television show. It's like, hey, yeah. I know that place. Yeah. Way back when um, uh, we first meet Sarah, there was mm-hmm. a shot of a building that it had been, you know, so now it's been a long time since I've been to Blaine Hall. And so anymore, uh, I don't know if I would have recognized Blaine Hall for sure without, you know, having. Re- Something else would have had to trigger it before I see it now because I right. might not have recognized it. Um, uh, but uh, I was thinking that the laboratory school was shown in that one, and uh, I was proved to be wrong. But I'm like, I know it's in there somewhere. And sure enough, you know, it is. years later, redemption. There we go. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. Now, which makes uh, me think of every other establishing shot. There's somebody out there that's like, "Hey, <laughs> I know that building." <laughs> yep. Now, some people call this a goof. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. It probably is technically a goof. Uh, of course, this establishing shot is to designed to to say that, "Hey, we're at the University of Chicago, and and Daniel is in you know school there and doing research and all of that stuff." And right. while the University of Chicago and the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools um, share much of their name. The lab school is a nursery through 12th grade uh, school. Mm-hmm. And the University of Chicago is like a university. Mm-hmm. So at the gym, Tilk is lifting approximately 390 pounds uh, attached to a 45-pound bar for a total weight of 435 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Dude is so strong. <laughs> now, now one of the things that we do learn in the um, commentary is that the weights themselves are rubber weights. So, oh. you know, so Christopher Judge is not actually lifting Wasn't that kind of weight. That uh, he probably could. <laughs> I that, that that's why I was well, not like shocked at that number because I'm like that is a big number and that's amazing. Um, well, one of the things, though, that they did do is, um, like, the the bar itself, that 45-pound bar, mm-hmm. um, they originally had a rubber one of those, and Judge is like, are you kidding me? This thing, <laughs> no! And so he had to go and get a an actual weightlifting yes. bar yeah. uh, for that, and then they put the, the rubber weights on it. And the, the hand weights that... Uh, uh, Michael Shanks was using in that scene were actually from his own trailer. So those are like his weights. Ah, nice. Um, also, a couple other things. The dress that uh, Amanda Tapping is wear when she dresses up and they go for the dance and the party. Yeah. That's actually Amanda Tapping's dress. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So there you Everybody go. Everybody got to go into their closet for the props this week. Yep. Yep. 
Now, I do have a rather lengthy quote here from Amanda Tapping about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually from uh, from um, a, a convention that she was at at some point in time. Uh, she, she says, I think it's an offshoot of what happened in Grace. The writers were trying to, A, dispel the Black Widow curse that Carter has, and also to open her up for more experiences and to flesh her out just a little bit more as a human being. And so it's an interesting episode for me because I felt so out of my element doing these, you know, little cutesy flirty scenes and, of course, the kissy kissy. And it's so not a side of Carter that we've ever seen. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> even even Amanda tapping is cringing. <laughs> she, she continues. Um <laughs> And so she really falls hard for this guy, and the fact that she hasn't that the fact that he hasn't died yet is a pretty good sign. But I think it's also freaking her out. Oh no, he didn't die. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Now I have to have a relationship. How does that work? Uh, David DeLuise is wonderful. We had instant chemistry. He's very much a DeLuise in that he's utterly charming, has a fantastic sense of humor. But he's a really wonderful actor, and we spent a lot of time running scenes and going over different beats and trying to work stuff out. David and I would, you know, after work, go and sit in a coffee shop and run scenes. We went for walks where we were running scenes as if we were, you know, the character. Now, another uh, question. The episode didn't address how Carter felt about him essentially stalking her behind her back. Mm Mm-hmm. And she says... I don't think Carter knew what to, knew to what lengths he was going. She doesn't know that he phoned the FBI. She doesn't know that he ran a background trace on her. She doesn't know that he was doing all these things. The only thing that she knows is at the end of the stakeout, he's there. So, yes, he's been following her, but I think she hadn't at that point in the episode had time to assimilate the fact that he'd been following her. I mean, you know, yes, he shows up, and yes, he's been tailing her, but she doesn't know to what extent and to what great lengths he's gone to to try to get information on her, so she's kind of oblivious at this point. And I think the fact that the way the episode ended with the big explosion and the, oh my god, he's been hurt, and oh my god, now he's okay, and I can actually, you know, the classified information is no longer classified to this man because he's seen it. Then I can actually tell him what I do for a living, I think that she sort of doesn't even think about the fact that he followed her, and maybe that's something that'll be addressed later. Wait a second, buddy. You followed me to that stakeout? But I think at the moment, I think at the end of the episode, she's just so relieved that he isn't dead. And again, she doesn't know to what extent he was tracing her. It may be addressed later. It does seem, I guess, that he's stalking her, I, I think, on the one hand, because he's so interested in her, and he knows there's something that she's hiding, and she said as much, I'm hiding something from you, I can't tell you, and that's got to be really frustrating when you're getting to know somebody, and you're really, you know, really have feelings for them, but again, I don't think she knows to what extent he went. When was that interview? Oh, I don't know. Roughly, shortly after the episode aired? So it was probably shortly after the episode aired. Sounds like um, it. It might have been in like the middle of season. So I, I cut a little bit of parts out of that that might be border on spoiler. 
Um, oh, gotcha. Sure. And I can't remember now because I cut it out of my script here. Um, I would guess that this episode, this was interviewed, was recorded and, and done uh, probably sometime after, at least after she knows that Pete Shanahan is in fact coming back. Yeah. But maybe not before all of that has been worked through. It, that was a very nice thing to say, Amanda. That was a very nice thing to say. So my sense is that Amanda Tapping um, liked the idea of exploring new elements of the character. Yes. Um, and this is an episode where she got to do that. Oh, yeah. So um, the title for this episode, if, if we're ready to continue. Yes. The French, the Italian, the Spanish, the Czech, the Hungarians, pretty much everybody call this Chimera. Mm-hmm. The Germans. Oh no! Call it. Oh no! Oh no! Wait, let me guess. They say uh, Amanda's boyfriend lives, <laughs> which is a terrible. Which it wasn't no, even no, true because no. it's they, not they, Amanda's they boyfriend; it's Sam's boyfriend. I'm getting everybody mixed up. <laughs> they, they, they don't talk about uh, Sam. It's called Daniel's dream. Oh gosh. I mean, no, it doesn't reveal anything, but on the other hand, it's just so sappy. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So I would just like to point out that um, uh, even as we are recording this, Brent, there is chatter on the discords about people uh, sending in their predictions and like everybody saying, hold on to your hats, folks. So. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. And, of course, David sent us a text yesterday that we needed to uh, plan some extra time for the prediction section. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. all of that. Uh, yeah. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? Yes. Let's get into it. Previously on Stargate SG-1, the gold of Cyrus steals the body of Dr. Jackson's ex-girlfriend, Dr. Sarah Gardner. Osiris tries to kill some people, succeeds in some cases, and escapes the planet. SG-1 finds a tablet that will lead them to a powerful city that the ancients made lost. And yes, Jack, the lost city is still lost. But if we find it, it'll be the key to defeating Anubis. Mm -hmm. Probably, we hope, possibly. Uh, and Carter decides that she wants more from life than just her professional career. Mm -hmm. And now... Mm -hmm. The establishing shot. A big building covered in ivy looks like a university for higher education. In fact, it's a university for lower education, but they still have a high quality of education there. <laughs> so it counts. So it counts. Jackson is sitting in a room full of artifacts and books, studying them. Osiris steps in and checks in on Daniel, wanting to assist. Wait a minute. That's not Osiris, that's... That's Dr. Sarah Gardner! What is going on here? Flash! Suddenly we see Daniel sleeping in his bedroom with a memory recall device attached to his temple. Osiris, the real Osiris, is hovering over him, staring at him. She too has a recall device attached to her temple. Oh, oh no. no! In a coffee shop. Major Samantha Carter is sitting at a table when a man appears and starts flirting with her. Editor's note, this is super creepy. We'll talk more about this later. <laughs> After some time, she kisses him. 
Apparently, the two actually know each other and have been developing a relationship for some time. I don't know, maybe a week or so. Who knows? Who is this man? This man is Pete Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> The man, the myth, the legend, the one with the ham, the guy with the plan, another rhyme that has a eh, Pete Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> After some small talk, uh, uh, in part about, you know, the death of all of Carter's ex-boyfriends, uh, they depart and Carter heads into the SGC for some very exciting deep space radar telemetry. Mm-hmm. At Stargate Command, Sam is talking with Daniel as they walk through the hall. Daniel is really tired for some reason, and he tells her about this strange dream. When he first met Sarah, only things were weird and different and odd, you know, different hair, and and he looks older than he should have been like 15 years ago. But <laughs> shh, don't say anything about that. Um, when... <laughs> I was laughing, so... And the hair is different. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he was supposed to be... I mean, theoretically, he would have had the longer hair oh, that yeah, he had, like, in the movie Absolutely. and stuff, you know. It was, but, you know. it was a dream. It was a dream. Anyway. When they reach the elevator, they run into Colonel Jack O'Neill. Daniel finds an excuse to go somewhere else. Sam Coffee. enters the elevator... Cue the awkward standing. <laughs> then the humming. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Uh, what, uh, the humming. Uh, <laughs> that was such a good scene. Carter tells her friend, her CO, the uh, man she at least kind of has slash had feelings for, but couldn't do anything about, and so has decided to move on, kind of, sort of, maybe, about her new friend, Pete. Her brother, Mark, set them up. It's, it's, it's fine. That night, Osiris again appears and enters Daniel's dream. In this dream, Sarah starts to develop a relationship with Daniel. She is a great fan of his work, even referencing him in her own doctoral dissertation. For his part, Daniel thinks that she's crazy and that he's crazy and everybody's crazy for thinking you know uh, the two start to dance around a potential relationship <laughs> ooh la la <laughs> waggle eyebrows I waggle eyebrows. <laughs> Osiris ends the dream and uses an Asgard transporter to beam out of Daniel's room mm-hmm, what could mm-hmm. possibly be going on here mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the next day Sam has a date with Pete. They watch Singing in the Rain. It's a classic. He didn't like it, but he liked her. The company was good. They walk through the park. They walk back to Sam's house. Outside her front door, they do that uncomfortable dance. Well, you know, do I invite him in? Should I ask if I can come inside? I don't want to screw this up. He's kind of cute. She's kind of cute. I, 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 I want things to develop, but I don't. Pete kisses her. And it's okay, but now is not the time for seeing the inside of her place. Everybody's okay with that. He departs, both wondering how this relationship will develop. Later in Daniel's dream, that night, Sarah shows him a tablet with strange symbols and tells him all about it. It's more than 10,000 years old, and it proves that writing existed prior to the hieroglyphs of the Egyptians. Ooh, it's also an ancient, which is kind of strange. 
Uh, and what is even more strange is that Daniel seems to be able to read ancient a little bit. It's a derivation of Latin. In the dream, Daniel is excited and enthusiastically begins the translating process. Excellent. The next morning at the SGC, Daniel is extremely tired. I don't understand this. Why is it happening to me? And he talks with his friends Sam and Teal'c about his dream. They think it possibly has something to do with his time as an ascended being. Teal'c suggests he actively work to translate the tablet. In his next dream, Daniel finds out more about the tablet and tells Sarah all about it. Later on in the weight room, Daniel talks with Teal'c again about his dream, and Teal'c segments the whole thing. <laughs> that evening, Sam has a date with Pete. She is dressed up and anxious for what Pete has in store. They go dancing at Harry and Marge's 50th wedding anniversary party. It was a delightful and romantic evening for both of them. When they return to Sam's house, she invites him inside. Now... Pete's a little bit concerned her house is filthy. Or worse, what if she's a neat freak? What if her, her, her bookshelves are alphabetized? Sam Yeesh. smiles coyly and exits the car for the house. He says he follows her inside. Oh, they kiss passionately. They kiss some more. She suggests he doesn't look at the bookshelf. And they head to the bedroom. He's not looking at the bookshelf. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> if you're looking at the bookshelf... You're doing it wrong. Or that's their thing. But uh, no, he's not looking. Well, I guess if that... Anyway, while (laughs) Sam and Pete are staying but not sleeping in her house, Daniel is theoretically sleeping, but really in some kind of semi-lucid dream with Osiris probing his subconscious, formerly ascended mind for information on the lost city. Oh, my goodness. The next morning, Sam and Pete talk in bed. Sam wants quotes. To- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Carry on, sorry. <laughs> Shall I continue? Please. <laughs> Sam wants to know how Pete became a cop. He's got a story. He tells some of it, not all of it. He's a little bit vague on some of it. You know, but it's a vocation for him. It's a calling for him. He needs to be a cop. It's it's in his DNA. Sam understands, and we, knowing what Sam does, understand that she does, in fact, understand. But Pete questions her. Deep space radar telemetry is in your your DNA? Uh, She wants to tell him more, but she's not allowed. Pete is understandably frustrated, and he leaves. Sitting in his car, he takes a deep breath, and he calls his buddy Special Agent Faraday from the FBI. He asks Faraday to do a thorough background check on one Major Samantha Carter. Later, when he gets the report back, Pete learns that Sam is probably attached to some serious top-secret black ops stuff. Faraday suggests that Pete drop whatever he's doing with this Major. She's way out of his league. Editor's note, Stalker Pete emerges. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that more later. At the SGC, Daniel again talks with Sam and Teal'c about his dreams and about Sarah. This time, Teal'c reveals that there is a Google device which allows them to enter other people's dreams. Oh, no. They talk with Jack and with Hammond about it and develop a plan to capture Osiris. 
Hopefully, they will find out the information about the lost city from Daniel's minds, capture the Gulwuld, have the Toker remove the vile Egyptian god from Sarah, and free her to live her life as she chooses. We'll see if it all plays out that way. Yes, yes it does, sort of. Although they don't find any more information about the lost city. Sorry. Anyway, that's, that, I'm getting ahead of myself. A little later, as she is preparing all they need for the stakeout, Sam talks with Jack about her relationship with Pete. Normally, you know, you don't let not being able to talk about things that you do with a special prayer for people in your life because you know they couldn't handle it. Um, but but this is a different story because I think he could have handled Oh, poor Sam. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that night, SG-1 watches over Daniel as he sleeps. They're using a nearby surveillance truck. Teal brought donuts. A necessity for any stakeout? <laughs> He looks so disappointed. Well, I mean, he's like, look, I got these donuts. And he's like, what you got there? And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. And he's like, you don't want my donuts. I know. I mean, he looks so heartbroken. I mean, I mean, talk talk about having your bromance crushed. I know. I was very sad for Teal. I know. But Osiris does appear. And they... <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. The the phrase, I'd eat his donuts, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, Brent. <laughs> that, that moves just half a step beyond innuendo. Oh, boy. There's a line, and I just went right over the top of it. Woo! <laughs> I really oh didn't mean about the donuts, though. I love donuts, but no, that Don't, came out you know, you know. all sorts of ways. Osiris <laughs> appears. <laughs> yes, back to the story. <laughs> Uh, they turn on the device that will prevent her from leaving the house, which is good. Silently, Jack and Teal'c enter the house with trank darts designed to penetrate a Gulwold force field, which undoubtedly she has. Yes, she does. They are in position, and they wait. And they wait. They wait. Sam remains in the surveillance truck, watching over the situation. When the time is right, they'll spring their trap on the Gulwold. Ha ha! Oh, hey, look at that. Stalker Pete is there stalking. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Brent, Brent, it's all okay. Oh. Because he's an investigative cop and he's investigating. It's perfectly normal. It's fine. Nothing Who to Who told him here. to do that? Exactly. Oh. I have no idea. Anyway, in his dream, Daniel finally gives up, admitting that he never knew the location of the lost city. Osiris is not very happy. She ends the connection with his dreams and attacks him with a Karakash. (laughs) Sam gives the word for Jack and Teal. Go, go, go! Osiris can't beam out. Oh no, the thingamabobber's not working. But blocks Jack's first dart. He's like, and she's like, you get thrown into the wall there. (laughs) She departs the house, firing at our heroes with a Zaytark ring. Outside, Pete appears. Sam is surprised, but doesn't have time to talk to him. Osiris attacks them. They fire back with a zat gun. And bullets. Osiris' shield protects her. Pete's not sure what to make of this woman whose eyes glows and who has a shield that blocks the bullets. Osiris turns her weapon on the truck and shoots the gas cannon. In a big... Fiery explosion, it blows up, and Pete and Sam get tossed over to the the ground, and Pete, you know, 
protects Sam with his body. And oh no, he gets injured. But in all of the distraction, Jack is able to sneak up behind our villain and shoot her in the back with a dart gun. Yes, he shoots her in the back with a dart gun. Osiris collapses into the street. Yay. Sam realizes that Pete was hit with some shrapnel and is critically wounded. Oh no! If he survives, she'll tell him everything she promises. He already knows. At the SGC, Sarah wakes up with a start. Daniel is there, sitting at her bedside. She's going to be okay. The Toko removed Osiris from her. She's going to need some serious counseling now, but at least she has an opportunity for that counseling. She collapses into onto his shoulder, crying. A very touching moment. Mm-hmm. In another room, Pete is lying in a hospital bed, recovering from his shrapnel wounds. Sam visits him and finally tells him all about the Stargate program, classified under Section 11 BC 396er. The end. Yeah, the end. So, Brent. Mm hmm. Chimera. Mm hmm. What'd you think? All right, we'll just get this out of the way. We'll just get it out of the way right now. Then we can talk about the rest of it. You ready? All right. All right. Here we go. Hey, friends. If you ever find yourself in law enforcement, you're entrusted with not only the protection of your everyday citizenry around you, but also entrusted with a high level of trust that you will not misuse the tools available to your to your to your vocation you know like the gun at your side you're not supposed to just take that out and shoot people when you're mad or scared what you need to do is use that when you are literally under direct threat of lethal force to your person that's the only time you're supposed to use that oh and also when your friends have the ability to look up information on people you're only supposed to use that information when a judge tells you to otherwise you're just a creep don't do it kids it's wrong Okay, so we got that big part out of the way there. As a result, I am now forced to probably do a lot of retcon inside my head because Pistol Pete's going to be with us for a while. I don't know how long, but more than a minute, and he didn't die. So I now have to sit here and go, am I going to really allow for this creep who's not going to tell Sam that he's stalking her that, 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 that I should look favorably upon it? Especially when the episode is literally also portraying a terrible person in the person of Osiris doing the same thing to Daniel by violating his trust and accessing information that he shouldn't know. Hey, by the way, friends, if somebody tells you they don't want to tell you something, you know what you should do? You should believe them and move along. No, 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 no. I get it. We need to have a relationship that gets built here. And I also get it. TV tropes can't have actual the amounts of time that is necessary for these things to happen. It takes a long time for certain people to trust other people. But we're not going to have that. We're just going to go ahead and fast forward it. So what I'm going to do, Zach, is I'm going to pretend like that scene didn't exist at all. I'm going to pretend that Pete is not pervy Pete, but rather perfectly timed Pete and he happened to go by the stakeout at the time. That's what I'm going to pretend. Now I'm going to ignore the fact that he was trailing. I'm going to ignore the fact that he was watching the whole thing. I'm going to ignore the fact that he was apparently up for like 36 hours or something. I'm just going to ignore all that stuff. I'm going to pretend like he just showed up. It was happenstance. It was just serendipity that stuff happens from time to time can't tell you i live in a big city and every now and again i run into people that i meet uh, that i know in places that we don't normally go to it's like what are you doing here? what are you doing here and it's like we're both living in the city we're having a fine time it happens 
Maybe it happened here. That's what I'm going to choose to believe because otherwise this guy's a creep. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to pretend that Pete's a good guy. So that is now out of the way, right? Let's just carve okay. that whole thing out of the story. There's right. an asterisk, which is why did they leave it in? Why did they keep it? Whatever. Okay. We're not going to think about that either. All right. Got a feeling people will probably say similar things, but wow, we had a lot going on in this episode. Like, yeah, the, um, the Asgard transporter technology, we have, uh, apparently I missed it, that the Tok'ra are wonderfully successful at extricating Gould from people. I, I just didn't pick that up, I guess. But So, do you remember the episode when Skara is on trial, uh, triad, yes. uh, right? And the, they were able to remove his Gould. Well, uh, they're using that type of technology, and, and clearly it works, you know, swimmingly. And in this situation, it just happened to work swimmingly again. Fine, fine. So last week, uh, Gould died, but the host didn't. Fine, I'll believe it. And now we get, uh, uh, you know, technology from a few seasons ago, which I kind of forgot about because I was focused on other things. Great. Why don't we use this all the time? <laughs> Seriously. But okay, fine. Um, uh, and now we've got, like, like relationships aplenty all of a sudden because is Sarah going to stick around? I mean, she should, right? Um, she now knows everything about everything she should totally be part of the sgc should she not and um now we got pete here who's going to be sticking around i guess uh, which is fine like i said i just totally erased that whole terrible thing right there in the middle he seems like a great guy for the most part there was that one scene where he took the bad news like a crybaby but again i'm letting the story represent a relationship on fast forward right like if you are dating somebody and you say you know what i'm not really ready to share that with you and they go but i love you you know what you need to do you probably should go but i get it it's a tv show we're fast forwarding some things here so yeah charming guy like you know involved in a kind of a job that like sam can understand and that he can understand what sam's doing like it's fine like it's it's good clearly she likes him so much so that she breaks the fourth wall and sings the stargates theme song in the in the in the in the uh elevator uh it's it's fine and where was i going with that i don't know maybe I, 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 I was just sitting here listening yeah I, and maybe that's kind of like you know another thing too and 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 there were other just brilliant parts like michael shanks is acting this episode was insanely great like i loved i loved the scene of him in the cafeteria where he picks up his head and he's like looking from side eye like back and forth <laughs> i don't know i was just dying at that one and you know the different the different interactions with all the you know like everybody was like hitting on all cylinders it was great it really was uh good news well, you see, now one thing I was a little bit confused about was that it appeared to me that this tablet was a new tablet because I thought that, well, again, it's a dream. It's a dream. I thought that the old tablet was in pieces and they had every every possible opportunity to, re to review it. So I thought that Osiris was presenting Daniel with a new tablet and I think she still was um, with more information and he's trying to de decipher it and that's the whole point. Um but that was interesting to me that, you know, what was assumed that there would be more information out there. Now I have actual tangible evidence. Yeah, there's there's evidence right there. And, uh, well, maybe I am kind of running out of steam. I had a fun time watching this episode. The creepy part was definitely like, come on, you didn't need to do that. But, and the acting was just brilliant. But now I'm sitting here kind of like, 
wait, where are we at with this thing? So Sarah's back. Pete's around. We don't know where the city is. Osiris is offline. Oh, well, the Toker have Osiris. I mean, I'm assuming that they killed Osiris, but, but, but I mean, if we recall, Osiris was stuck in a jar because Osiris was so bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you'd think. And also, Osiris was like pitched as like, you know, because that's what made Anubis so scary was that Osiris walks in the room with all the other Gulwuld, with the system lords, and goes, hi, I'm terrible. And they're like, you are terrible. Why are you here? And she's like, because I escaped. That's how terrible I am. But I serve someone who is even more terrible. Like, that was the point. And now Osiris' story is done? I'm interested to see if they pick it up some more, if the Tok'ra are at all the group of people that I think they are. They're going to be trying to get all sorts of information out of Osiris, I would think. Um, Maybe not. Maybe they just killed him. Uh, and we can go on from there, I guess. But yeah, I, my, my analysis is kind of running out of steam here. Did we really just have that kind of a slipshot episode where there was a lot of interesting things that happened, but now that I'm thinking about it as a single whole, it's not really that good. What do you think? Um, well, okay. So, uh, there are, are there's an A plot and an A prime plot. I don't know which one's the A plot and which one's the B plot, so I'll just call sure. them A and A prime. Uh, one I like and one I don't. Um, the one that I like is the one with Osiris and Daniel in the dream and the, the ancient tablet. And the one that I don't yeah. like is the one with Pete. Um, and it's really unfortunate because I want to be able to like that one. Um, now, let's set that aside and talk about Osiris and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, the tablet that she has, I think, is uh, a proxy for whatever is inside Daniel's subconscious from when he was ascended. I see. Um, while it certainly has uh, connections and uh, overlays with things like the tablet he found on uh, Abydos and the like, um, you know, that's all there. But I think ultimately it's a proxy for what is theoretically in his head um what is osiris looking for specifically uh the gate address for where this lost city actually is Mm -hmm. um and so this is something that is designed to shape the world around to get to that address um there isn't a specific address there that's something that daniel's subconscious is supposed to fill in because she doesn't have that information she wants that information Mm -hmm. um uh, the the technology, what we do see here now is that Anubis has even, not only now access to at least some ancient technology, he now has access to some Asgard technology, which just means that things are even worse for our heroes because the big bad can now have transport technology, which is something that they didn't have before. Um, this is problematic. Um, so this whole story is really fascinating because it continues uh, and develops uh, this race for that's kind of been an underlying theme of the series uh, of the season, uh, this race for the lost city um, and what that is and where it is and what this means for our heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though uh, Osiris failed in getting this information out of Daniel, uh, doesn't mean that the the stakes are any less high uh, as a result of this. 
Mm-hmm. This is all a good story. Um, and it's well acted. It's um, it's well written. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the Osiris using Sarah to get into Daniel's uh, dreams actually works well. And, and the fact that you can totally see, like from our perspective, you can see them connecting and kind of developing that relationship early on. And then, of course, you know, Osiris being Sarah trying to say, hey, it's okay. It's okay that you missed the anniversary because what really matters is all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there, there's that. Um, y- that works. That works really well. Uh, the, the scenes with uh, Teal'c and Carter and Daniel uh, at various times talking about this process and developing it, um, it works really well. The only place where it might be a little bit fast and a little bit, well, let's just kind of jump a step or two, uh, and it's not that bad in this situation, especially compared to some of the other things that Damien Kindler has written and done, uh, is is uh, Teal'c... Uh, connecting the dots that this dream might actually not be just yeah, a dream. That was a, that the, was a little bit fast. Yeah, that was a little bit fast, but it wasn't too bad. No, um, you know, it, you would actually want like another step in there to say, "Oh, wait a second. What if this isn't a dream? What if this is actually Osiris doing something?" Which by itself isn't that crazy of a step. But before you go bring this uh, to the big dogs and and get you know stakeout processes and whatnot. You want to verify your hypothesis. Yeah, I assumed that that verification and, had happened off screen. And and if you make that assumption that they verify the hypothesis off screen, then you can move on with the story and you're fine. It's it's a little bit fast, but it's not too bad. Uh, way better than a lot of stuff that Damien Kindler has done. Where yeah. it's just like, uh, and now we turn left. Why do we turn left? Well, because the story needs us to turn left again. And the only way we can turn left again is if we turn left here. Right. No, no, left, Brent. Oh. Left. Right. Left. <laughs> so, uh, all told, um, that part of the story... Uh, I actually really like. It continues the meta story. You've got good acting. You've actually got good writing. It works. There aren't, you know, there aren't really a whole lot of holes in all of that stuff. Um, I, I could, I could, you know, give that a very good, healthy Chevron rating. Mm-hmm. Now, the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I like the idea that Carter and that the show is exploring Carter outside the SGC. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it has been well established that Carter is kind of one of those characters that doesn't have much of a life outside of her job. That 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 she has basically sacrificed everything uh, for this job. And the fact that she's now getting to a point where she's like, hey... Maybe I shouldn't do that for my job. Maybe I should try to have something more in my life than just my job. I mm-hmm. actually like that. That's mm-hmm. cool. Um, uh, does it have to be a relationship? No. Blah blah blah. That, that I'm not. I'm not touching that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and a recognition that this is a character who, within her relationships, has always had uh, really bad ones. Um, wanting to give Carter a chance to explore a relationship that doesn't end in death. Um, I appreciate that. I like mm-hmm. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it is true that 
all of Carter's, you know, would-be or quasi or almost boyfriends uh, end up dead mm-hmm. in some capacity. Now, unfortunately, um, the 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 least creepy of all of her previous boyfriends is Martouf, and it's not certain if he's in love with her or in love with the part of her that is Jolinar. Yeah, I know. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, you know, Carter really gets it, does not get good options here. Right. Um, So I I appreciate the idea of trying to create this something new for the character. I think that's good. Um, And now if we, you know, take... The specifics of this story out of the question and just look at a cop, Pete Shanahan, played by David DeLuise, mm-hmm. um, and all of that stuff, um, that actually seems to fit, right? Because Carter is going to be attracted to, well, probably, somebody who is, uh, you know, got that that strength of character, that that vocational calling into something more meaningful and all of this stuff, right? That 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 strikes me as honest with who that character is and where that character would go and, and what she'd be looking for. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I'm I'm on board with all of that stuff. We're right there. Uh, and then we get the actual Pete. Right. And the first thing we see when we get to Pete, she's at a coffee alone. Right. They did set it up a little bit. Yeah. And and. And so here's the thing. It's like, I, I, I have women friends have told me some of their stories. Oh, yeah. About this type of exact situation playing out in them. Oh, yeah. And they're like, icky, icky, yes. icky. And yes. I'm like, yes, yes, that I is icky. didn't bring it up when I was talking about my thing because when at the end of that scene, it was revealed that they had been dating and it was unclear for how long. I said, oh, they're doing that thing. They're pretending that they don't know each other. That's a thing. People do no, that. No, no, sure, sure. I mean, uh, actually, you know what? Yes, at that point in time, when when you realize that they, in fact, know each other and they're doing this but, thing and they're kind of playing yeah. that off, uh, th- that's that's fine. You know, but if, if that's your thing, starts, then I yeah. don't have a problem with that, right? If, if, if that's your thing, if that's your way of kind of flirting and playing with your significant other, great. I don't yep. care. You right. do you. Right. But for me... As an audience member, this is the first time I see this character. And I'm supposed to like this character. And the first thing I see is this guy creeping on a beautiful woman. (laughs) And then later, creeping on a beautiful woman. You know, Uh. I mean, and, 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 you know, if I had known that they had had a relationship beforehand, that, Mm -hmm. that this was a play acting thing. Um, then I don't think I would have had the the Im- immediate problems with that, right? Because it's just them doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is how you introduce the character. And this, when you introduce yeah. the character in this way, my hackles are already raised. So then when we get to that spot, which might be understandable from a certain point of view, not excusable, by no means excusable, not excusing it at all, let me say not excusable, not good, bad, right? Wrong. But but possibly understandable, where he uses his his influence with the the you know to to stalk her and get some more information. Um, my hackles are raised. Yes. And then when you get to that, now you just take that and skyrocket it to eleven. Ugh. Yes. Ugh. Okay. Now, 
in between, you do get this lovely scene of them going and dancing and having a beautiful night and all of this stuff. However, they sneak into Harry and Marge's 50th wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And while it is theoretically possible that uh, Pete actually knew this people, everything suggests that they are crashing a party. <laughs> You're not wrong. I didn't read it like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, I, I'm um, right there with you. And, and you know, you know. Uh, I read it that somehow he had a connection. I didn't know what. I was just going along for the ride. But, but, but you're not wrong. So, <laughs> you, you, you can read it either way. I mean, to me, I've always read it that he crashes the party. Because yeah, okay. she's like, I think we're going to get noticed. Which implies her saying, I think they're yeah. going to notice that we don't belong here. Well, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for some reason, I thought that was like, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I just didn't see the sign in the background or whatever. Whatever. I didn't know it was Marge and Harriet's like 50th anniversary. I thought it was something else. I thought it was at a senior center and I thought it was cute. And I, and then when she says, I think we're going to get noticed, I thought it was like, like understatement of the year because like they were going to get no, noticed no matter what. But anyway, but, yeah, but, sure. but with that, but with that read, with what you're telling me, yeah, if what it was, was a private party that they're crashing. <laughs> oh, no, this guy's terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, here again, this is one of these steps of things that 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 uh, it would have only taken one throwaway line, you know, like, you know, Harry's my great uncle. Doesn't yeah right you know right you met, know I met I met Harry at the bus stop today <laughs> whatever oh, yeah sure you know uh, or or maybe or maybe you know Marge is the 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 mother of one of my buddies in the in the, the in, in the in the in the the, uh, the 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 station right uh, you could who even, knows you could even have them walk in you could have Carter go wait you know this guy. And have him go. Well, I met him at the bus stop, or I met him. I met him at the coffee shop this morning. And then he waves, and you see an old guy in the back. Hey, you know what I mean? Like that's it. Then you're then you're good. Yeah. <laughs> there, 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 there are very quick, very subtle ways of of making it look like they're not crashing somebody's fiftieth wedding anniversary. Oh my gosh. For for without an invite. Oh right? my uh, gosh. I, you know, <laughs> You're right. Uh, it, You're totally right. It, it's it's delightful. They have a lovely evening. I yeah, mean, but, you know, but somebody that... even takes their picture there and she gives him at the end, which is cute. You know, it and sure. and they're a cute couple. They look just adorable there. And and that they, they, they close up of their hands as they you know their hands clasp together. You know, it's this is nice warm. Like oh, that's sweet. It's nice. And there's still this film of. What the heck is this guy doing on top of it? This episode. Oh, my gosh. So presuming I mean, like, I got to I got to I got to I got to lambast the whole crew. Kindler wrote it. Um, Who did the story play or the teleplay? Um, Uh, Kindler did the teleplay. The story was by Cooper Cooper. uh, And then the director was um, wearing wearing like. Between Kindler and Waring, they should have stopped that. This episode is celebrating invasions of privacy. <laughs> it's just flat out. I mean, it's just yeah. flat out. It is celebrating invasions of privacy. 
you know, and that's wrong. Uh, and that is that's wrong. wrong. That's absolutely wrong. And the thing that's making me frustrated is that you could totally tell this story with a, just a twist here and a bop there, and we're and now we're just zipping along, happy go lucky times. Like, yes. <laughs> all now, you had to do is just a couple of tweaks. Now, when when they finish at the anniversary party and they go back to her house and she invites him in, yeah, you know all. Actually, now we get to a spot where, from my perspective, this is a good thing, right? This is this is fine. He's like uh, respectful of her. He's he's listening to her. She says, "You do you want to come in? I'm okay with that." And he's like, "Well, you know." Then he kind of you know playfully makes this joke and all of that stuff, and yeah. and it works. And and he's like, "I am coming." <laughs> I mean, which yeah. which I find charming, right? And then yes. you get in, and you know there there is there is a connection, um, and and it's it's a very nice uh, uh, scene, a connection between these people, uh, you know, and it's tastefully done from its directing Pete, and editing, you know, it's Pete wonderful. Is supposed to be a good guy. Pete is supposed to be a good guy. He's and supposed I, to be a good guy, and I absolutely am totally willing to do head so that he's a good guy, right? But these scenes like let's be very clear friends if you behave like this you're bad no you're not bad you're behaving badly but my point is don't do it this are, is not are, how you are supposed to behave that's right that these are these are things not to do you know do not do these things you know um now we get to the the bedroom scene right where where she's like my brother told me you had a story, and I want to know what the story is. That's cute, right? And and yeah. very appropriately, he is vague with that story. Yes. Why? Because he's only just met this woman, right? They've only known yes. each other for a couple of weeks. Um, and if this is your special story, you know, I'm a, like I, I I one of the things that I do for a living is I preach sermons on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, not every Sunday. Uh, this last Sunday, I preached a sermon, and one of the things that I did is I told a bunch of stories about me, mm-hmm. um, because it, it fit in there. Okay, it worked. But some of them were funny stories, some of them were less funny stories, some of them were hard stories, and all of that stuff. Um, but I guarantee mm-hmm. you that none of the stories that I told on Sunday were the ones that still are raw and emotionally fragile for me. Yeah, I don't share those stories with anybody. Right. Why? Because they're still raw and emotionally fragile. Mm-hmm. If this is that spot for, for, for Pete, which suggests that there is something to that, right? He doesn't want to share it all. And he doesn't. And I think that's right. wonderful. Yep. And I can totally understand him saying, so let me share a little bit about me. Doesn't share everything, but a little bit about me. And he's like, so what about you? And she's like, nope. Can't tell you nothing. I'm totally about deep space radar telemetry. You know that's a lie. I know that's a lie. And, you know, I can totally understand him being frustrated with that. Now, well, yeah. I, 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 I get it, right? Right? Sure. Classified. Top secret. I understand. I, I, I'm not saying that she is inappropriate at all. No. But I can totally understand why he would be frustrated with this. I get it. And he leaves. And now here again, we get into don't do this, folks. Yeah. Just because you have the capacity does not mean that you should use the capacity for this. He no. feels entitled. Again, Pete is supposed to be a good guy. I'm having to do acrobatics to get this character into the good guy zone. But mm-hmm. he felt entitled to know that information. So he took it. Yes. And that's Or tried wrong. to. He yeah. tries to. 
And that's wrong. Uh, It is wrong. Um, And here again, here again, is that, and this is what frustrates me so much, is that we're supposed to like Pete. There are a lot of beats with Pete that make you go, oh, this is a nice guy. This is a good guy. I want to see this guy succeed with with Carter and all of this stuff, right? You see this stuff, and yet there's all of these layers on top of it that just uh, create a film that yeah. makes it icky. Yeah. Right? There, no, I there's agree. you got you got you got this beautiful clean water underneath it and then you've got this film of oily crud on top of it. And it didn't have to be that way. Right. Now I'm getting on my high horse. <laughs> it didn't have to be that way. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And what we're what what we're railing on about Zach, it be like this episode aired in early 2004. Now, obviously, with that interview with Gateworld, there were people whose hackles were raised that this was, I mean, because this is not, people have been, people have been suffering the, um, the bad sides of all of this stuff for a very long time. Uh, you know, I also have a number of friends of mine who are women who have a lot of stories that really hurt to listen to that involve individuals not respecting their agency or their privacy. People who felt entitled to own them or pieces of them or stuff about them. They felt like they were entitled to it. So they took it. It's really hard to listen to friends go through and tell you those stories because they are the raw, emotionally fragile stories that they don't tell everyone. And then you see it celebrated. It's tough. It's tough. It's gross. Mm -hmm. Doesn't need to be that way. So 2004, you know, that's 20 years ago, not quite, but still close enough. I mean, like, you know, cops, you know, especially in 2004, law enforcement was completely revered, um, generally speaking, in popular culture. And and so, you know, yeah, there were crooked cops, but this was obviously a good cop. Just look at his smile. Uh, and yeah, you're right, Zach. There was a ton of beats that were telling us that Pete needs to be a good guy. And again, I'm going to choose to believe it. I'm going to choose to believe that Pete's going to be a good guy because otherwise I'm going to have a hard time. I'm going to have other things happening. I mean, I hope we don't have more like privacy invasion in Pete's future. Otherwise, I will go off. But like, I got to ignore all this stuff. And the thing I, the thing I find frustrating, truly, is the mm-hmm. normalization because I remember being a kid and I remember seeing dramatic, uh, dramatic interpretations of romance stories and thinking to myself that that was how it was. So quick example, the scene where he gets all huffy and puffy after, after Carter tells him he's not going to tell her, tell him things. Uh, I think that is in there to allow us to imagine that their relationship has progressed to the point where he feels like he should know that thing. Now, granted, I just got done talking about the entitlement problem. Both things, both, both dissonant things can exist at the same time. The, the, I, the writers, I believe were trying to show us that their relationship had gotten to the point where it could have been. And even Carter tells it herself after upon reflection that he could have handled it. But we were supposed to, in that moment, feel like he could handle it. Maybe she should tell him. But the on-screen time, or at least certainly the the, the, the way that it's been described, has been described as a matter of a week or two or so. That's that, that a normal person would be like, no, I'm not going to tell you that. Like, yeah. I'm married, and there are things about my work that I still don't tell my wife. 
Like, like you shouldn't expect that. Well, there are things in my life, in my job, that I can't tell yes. my wife, right? Uh, people come to me and tell me things about That's their right. life. That's right. That's right. That, That's right. That is between me and them. That's right. And and it is sacred. Uh, some of it is um, relatively mundane and others of it is, you know, much more personally charged. Um, but that stuff that I can't talk to Julie about because that would be breaking the covenant that I have yeah. made with other people. Right. So bringing it back to Pistol Pete there, like it, it, the story was trying to, and maybe that's another piece of it too, is that it's trying to fast track a romantic story for Sam Carter. Like, why am I bringing it up like that? Um, because when we were talking about it just a second ago, you were mentioning how like you're satisfied that the story is trying to tell us some other stories about Sam Carter outside of work. And other than Jack liking to fish, uh, I don't know anything else about Jackson. He likes beer. He lives in a nice house. I mean, right? Like, I right. don't know that kind of stuff about Jackson. Not really. He well, likes his work a lot. Now, like, look at, has at no choice. <laughs> I mean, look, we look at O'Neill and, you know, O'Neill gets stories like 100 Days where yes. he is, Right. Forced to live for three yes. and a half months, yes. Uh, yes, without access to the Stargate on a different planet, yep. And and we get to see a relationship between him and this woman develop. Uh, and you know, is it you know that that's outside the world, you know, outside his normal yeah. life. Let's um, stick a pin in that one, though. But carry on. I, I know where you're all right, going. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and what we see is. You know some elements of a softer Jack than the the uh, yes you know hard Colonel leader that we see the rest of the time, um, and and that's a good thing. Um, I think that they were trying to do that type of thing with Carter. I think they failed. I I hear you. I think I disagree, but here's why. In specific, um, we've had instances of our various heroes have adventures with people that they deem attractive. And at the end of those adventures, there is a spark of romance. I've seen it a number of times. You're right. 100 Days is a story where, where Jack is choosing to let go of a previous life and embrace a new life. And that's touching. And it was good. It really was. Um, and... The, the reason why I'm sitting here kind of putting a pin on it or, or, or highlighting it with Samantha Carter is that it feels like they it feels like the writers need to justify doing a day in the life of Samantha Carter. And I'm not sure why. Um, right. Like we don't see Teal go running through the gate to go um, to go to go on a date with um, to Paul. And we don't see, uh, you know, and Jack is. I don't know, cemented now in his colonelliness that like we don't get to see him do things like that. And same thing with Jackson. And so I'm stammering because I'm sitting here like really kind of racking my mind trying to think of examples where we have that. And I don't think we do. We have them have romantic engagements and in the adventuresome way in the heroic sense. Yeah. Why not have Sam have a hero romance? Right. Right. Like that. <laughs> I mean, they kind of sort of almost do it a couple of times, but not really. Um, is it because 
I mean, all right, here we go. We're gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Um, and we don't have to necessarily talk too much about this one. Is it because at that time we couldn't abide thinking about women having casual relationships in the way that we could abide men having it? So you could have uh what was Jolene Blaybox? I can't remember the character's name. Whatever. You could have uh, Ishtar. 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 Ishka. Ish- Ishka and Teal'c, whoever. You could have it you could have Ishi and Teal'c smooch and bang off she goes and and that's like acceptable and you can have um you can have I can't think of an analogous thing with with Jackson. You know, he's he's had it, I guess. Uh and same thing with um O'Neal, but not quite to the same degree. But, you know, Carter doing that? What a floozy. Like, I'm not sure if that's it, <laughs> but I wonder if it's it. We got to like establish. No, no, it's a date. She's trying to make a relationship. This is a, this is this is what this looks like. Whereas like just have an adventuresome time, like go go in a crazy situation where you almost die and the person that you're with is hot and you're just like, you know what I want to do? I want to put my face on your face. That's what I want to do. Like, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> that's normal. That's what people do. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I, I can't speak to that with certainty. Um, one way or the other, uh, it certainly feels like that might be happening. Um, uh, I mean, it is a bit incendiary that, I mean, it might not. You know, be. so so here here's the it's like I don't think that the writers were trying to be uh, problematic and all of this stuff, right? Right. Um, which almost makes it worse in some regards. That's kind of the point. Right. Yeah. Because, um, you know, they're, they're trying. So a number of months ago, I was having a conversation with my, uh, immediate supervisor and, uh, he said, Hey, good on you. Good job. You did it. Great. And, and all I could feel was, mm-hmm. A sickening, uh, patronizing quality to that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't mean it that way, but it was right. still there. Yeah, and intent versus impact. Intent versus impact. Uh, and and this is something that the intent was not to do this, right? But the impact seems to have hit this way. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Brent, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at our time, yeah, uh, and we've too. talked for a long that. time, and yes, I know that our listeners out there have a lot to say on this episode. Yeah, we we should move along. So now here comes the challenging part. Yeah, what do you rate this episode? All right, I'll tell you exactly why I'm going to rate it. What I'm going to rate it. I am going to choose to believe the meta theme. That Pete Shanahan is a good guy. To his core, Pete is a good guy. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to ignore the stuff on screen. Zach, you don't have to ignore that. Sure. I'm going to. Yep. I'm going to ignore that stuff. Pete's a good guy. Seems like there's going to be something fun with Sam. That's cool. Um, Sarah's back. Whoa, that's big. That's big. What does that mean for Daniel? That's fun. Um. Anubis apparently has access to Asgard tech, transporter technology. Oh, crap. Um, but he doesn't have the, the last little pieces of information for the Lost City. Okay. But that story moved on a bit. It nudged forward a bit. The acting was stellar. Oh, my gosh. Did I have fun with it? The fourth wall break was great. Dialogue, I thought, was wonderful. I thought it was directed fine. 
um, all that good stuff. I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give this one a six out of seven. Super high, but it's because I am literally cutting out all that creepy stuff. All yep. of it. Just yep. cutting all of that out. Six out of seven for me. What about you? Okay. So, um, a my my comment is I am quite certain that your rating of this episode and you know putting a big giant star in there saying I'm cutting out all the creepy stuff and giving it a six is going to throw a lot of people's predictions off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with it, though, I'm like down in the threes. I don't want to be a three. There was a lot of fun stuff in this one. So um, I 100% agree with you that if you take out the creepy stuff of Pete um, Mm -hmm. and, frankly, it would not have taken a major rewrite to have nope. done that. Uh, you would have had several points that were, you know, you know, out and new points had to been put in there, but it wouldn't have taken crazy amounts of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. If you do that, and when you look at the strength of the Osiris and Daniel and Sarah's story and how it moves on with the Anubis and all of that stuff, yes, I 100% agree with you. It's a six. Easily mm-hmm. a six. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they actually had done the rewrite and rework so that Pete was actually a good character, um, possibly even a seven. I was uh, honestly, it it was crossing my mind. There was a lot of really neato stuff in this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, but when I take, and mm-hmm. frankly, if, if I take just the Osiris and Daniel story, uh, and that stuff from this, and ignore everything about Carter and Pete, mm-hmm. um, I could easily give this episode six, if not seven, chevrons. Mm-hmm. But then if I do the opposite, and I take just the Pete and the the Carter stuff, and take the other stuff out, yeah, um, we have a story of a character I'm supposed to like that I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. A character that I'm supposed to root for that I want to root against. Yes. Like, like I, I want to say, Sam, opened your eyes. This guy's a bleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. He's yeah. not the right person for you. This is a hard one. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I can give this net higher than a three. Yeah. Um, I, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the character of Pete in this episode is a zero to me. Yeah. Um, we'll see him again. Uh, we can talk more about how those other episodes um, rewrite the the Pete character in some capacity. Um, but we will worry about those conversations then. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, three. Three. Yep. Makes sense. All right. Time for the predictions. I'm a little bit nervous, honestly. Oh, I, this is going to be fun. No, uh, no, I'm just concerned there's going to be a lot. Yeah, probably so. But uh, while you're pulling that stuff up there, I got the Twitters ready to go. Okay, why don't you hit me with the Twitters? We have more than one. Ah. So we have Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. Don't mind me. I'm just over here crying, remembering that scene in Full Metal Alchemist that I think of whenever I read this title of this episode. Yep. Uh, I'll let you know my uh, Chevron prediction on Facebook. Because I have several hours of driving ahead of me and need to leave. This was 23 hours ago that he posted that. So, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, and then um, we have 
Oh shoot. I can't remember the I can't so it's it's uh I can't remember his name. Cause, uh, the 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 handle is is Casey Magnus. Um was Magnus? Magnus? It's Casey. Casey, thank you. I'm like, wait a minute. Hello. Hello, Casey Magnus. He says, she says, they say, you will give it, I'm assuming me, three peats out of seven. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, if I were thinking about Pete, that would have been about right. But uh, I was choosing to, I was choosing to elevate this episode. So, um, but that's what we got on the Twitters. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, Well, we, on the Facebooks, we start with Susan. Hi, Susan. Susan says, I like the A plot, Daniel Osiris story. Dislike the B plot, Stalker Pete Sam story. Yes. Why did the writers come up with a controlling stalker type character for such a fine actor to pair up with Sam? Did they want us to hate him? All through their scenes, I was wishing they'd just get back to Daniel and Osiris story, which was fun, humorous, and resolved a loose end nicely for poor Sarah. Yeah. Don't know how to rate this, so I'll just split split the difference. Plot A, a six, and a plot B, a three. Overall, four and a half. Same for Brent and Zach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, frankly, that was exactly right. Right? Like, granted, everybody's trying to find the middle or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but but like we but we're sitting here like the the that the good stuff is great. Almost wonderful. The bad stuff is bad. (laughs) No good at all. Yes. Now, next we have Jen. Hi, Jen. Jen says, This was an emotional roller coaster, but not the good kind. Mm. First of all, the A story. I actually like that Osiris storyline gets resolved, and poor Sarah is freed and will probably need therapy for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. It was a nice idea to use Daniel's dreams for her purposes, but the trope is a bit overdone in general. Daniel, I won't disagree with that, but at the same time, I think they did it well. Uh, on a personal note, she continues. Uh, Daniel added a lot of comic relief, especially as he looked absolutely tired throughout this episode. 100%. Yes. All right. Now, now let the rant begin. Uh Uh-huh. All right. The positive for the B story, Sam is looking incredibly good, and boy, the writers tried to make her as feminine as humanly possible this episode. Also, there was very much Amanda in Sam's character, which I really like because we so rarely get to see her goofier side. Now Mm. on to the bad, Pete. Yeah. All the red flags he's shown from minute one during this episode made me scream, run, Sam, run. I always get the feeling also from Amanda Tapping's acting in the episode that Sam is more into the concept of him, a chance for a more balanced life than the person of him. As a total package, this episode feels somewhat unconnected. I know the two stories are supposed to be interwoven, but they just feel like separate entities where the writers put them into one episode because of the love is in the air vibe. The episode leaves me feeling just meh about it. The A story helps to lift it up in total to a four and a half chevrons. For Brent and Zach, I would say four from Brent and four and a half from Zach. I'm really looking forward to what those two have to say about this one, since Mm -hmm. it is not often that SG-1 is doing an episode like this. Yeah. Nice. Um, Let's see here. I think that... uh, I suspect that that Jen was one of those folks that uh, um, uh, edited her podcast, or her comments for the podcast. 
Oh. And I know that Kevin, who is next, did the same. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, Kevin, for editing it. We'll, it we, we still have a long one. All right. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. Hi, Kevin. Well, Brent, it's been a long time coming. I mentioned that Grace is the conception of a character that many Stargate fans don't like. And that uh-huh. character is Pete. It's Pete! Zach, now that Brent knows about Pete, can I share the, that meme? Um, hmm, I don't know yet. I got <laughs> in due time, in due time. I'll see it when I see um, it. Although he is less obnoxious than I remember, this is still a meh episode. Although it does finally wrap up on wrap up the Sarah Osiris story, which started around the middle of... As I was watching the episode, I had more thoughts than usual. One, is doing some roleplay early in the morning a thing? Good point. Decent retort. Number two, Daniel is bad at flirting. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. (laughs) Number three, singing in the rain is a classic. Yes, that's true. Totally. Number four, is Carter's house the same one from Ascension? I could go back and watch it, but, you know, uh, whatever. I thought so. Uh, Daniel, I I don't know. I'd have to look. Daniel, number five. Daniel requires glasses to do many things, but apparently lifting weights isn't one of them. Hey, you don't need to see those weights. No, you don't. Number six. Ladies, are you supposed to take flowers with you on the date? Is this a thing I don't know about? Uh, Well, where'd they go? She must have chucked them. Well, no, she... so She took them, and then she she didn't have them anymore. That's his question, right? Was she supposed to have left the flowers at her house? Yes. Or was she supposed to take them with her? No. She took them with her. Yes. Uh, And his question is, is that a thing? And... uh, Ladies, you'll have to help me out because I can't answer that. Number four. I can. Number, not number four. You put them in a vase and then you go to then you go on your date. There you go. All right. But she didn't do that. She took the flowers with her. Yeah. Number yeah, seven. Wrong. That's okay. She's she's new to dating. It's fine. <laughs> Who are Harry and Marge or Mary? Harry or did Mary? I miss, I, I, did I miss a sign? Yeah, there's a sign that actually in the background of one of the scenes it says, uh, happy 50th anniversary, Harry. And and I read it as Marge. He's reading it as Mary. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, I, I, I totally missed that. Okay. But yeah, number seven, who are Harry and Mary? And why would Pete take Carter to, uh, to their 50th anniversary party? Is that weird? I need a yes. poll on if that's cute or creepy. Creepy. David, does Discord do polls? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we talked about this. If if uh, Pete knows who Harry and Marge slash Mary are, it's cute. Oh, totally. It's totally cute. And if, it's also... It's, if he it doesn't, be, it's yeah. creepy. It would totally be a thing that an old guy would do. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, so you go to, you, you go into the, getting your cheap coffee... And you hear them talking about, ah, you got the big shindig tonight. And then you got Pete saying something like, hey, what's going on? Oh, you got, oh, 50 years. Congratulations. The guy goes, yeah, you should come. And you know what? I might. That's all you have to do. And you don't even have to show that. You can just allude to it. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. You know, if, if, if Pete has any type of connection to Harry and Marge, (laughs) even uh, it's, it's totally cute. Even if it's 10 minutes. <laughs> Even if they just met for coffee, right? Yes. Yeah, 100%. If if he's not actually crashing the party, it's right. adorable. <laughs> and if he is crashing the party, it is creepy it's, as all get it's out. It's heinous. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, number eight. 
having an FBI f- friend run a background check is creepy, right? It's not yes. just me that thinks that, right? Yes. Yes, you were right, Kevin. That is creepy as creepy. It. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We've talked about that. Damn. Number nine. That finger gun that Osiris uses, is that the same kind that Martouf used in Divide and Conquer? Yes. When he was a Zatark trying to kill the president? Yes. Yes, it was. Very nice. I think it might also be... Well, I don't know. Anyway. He continues. Sorry this is so long to make it up. I'll give you a fun fact that Zach may or may not have already mentioned. When Carter and O'Neill are in the elevator, the script just said that Amanda was supposed to hum something as a little joke. She was going to hum the theme of MacGyver. Yeah. But she couldn't remember the theme song, which I personally believe would be hard to hum and not recognizable in hum form, and instead chose to hum the Stargate theme. Although I'm not a fan of this week's episode because of Pete, we do have some great episodes coming up. A few highs and lows left in the season that is getting closer and closer to finishing up. See you all next week. Edit. Oh, I was so busy writing this small novel that I forgot about my predictions. Um, four and five. Don't know who guesses what, so I'll just guess for the nine. (laughs) Nice. Very, very nice. Um, well, uh, Kevin, your, your total of nine actually hits. (laughs) Yes, it does. Holy cow. You got it. Yeah. Um, so the the house that Carter has clearly... It looked exactly like the same house, and didn't that house is, blow up? Uh, no, I mean, it looks like... It's hard to tell, for sure. So so, so Justin uh, brought in uh, oh, a, a picture of the yeah. ha- her house from Ascension and her house from this one, and there are definitely similarities. I think... I'm going to say that it's the same house. Yes, rebuilt. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, also, and, and by Jen the way, does by say, the way, um, by the way, the neighborhood must think that Sam is, they, they probably hate her guts. Probably. Yeah. Uh, uh, we do have a couple of uh, comments here that are worth noting. Uh, Rowan says crashing someone's 50th anniversary party is one of the less creepy things Pete does in this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jen responds. Uh, regarding the flowers, yeah, I noticed that as well. That she took the flowers with her, and no, I wouldn't. She said, "Yeah, no, yeah. you don't." So, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do with them? Leave them in the backseat of the car? Hang on to them the entire night? Uh, well, she doesn't. Exactly. All right, we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. After a vision two episodes ago told Sam that she should participate more actively in heterosexuality. <laughs> she has had a full Meg Ryan makeover and picked herself up a new man from inappropriate TV boyfriends for us. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm going to uh, choose to believe. I'm going to choose to believe. Choose to believe. He's got her so Twitter-pated that she's meta-humming. Look, I know he's a Deloise, but I just cannot with this character. By the time he's running an FBI background check on Sam, he's burned through any benefit of the doubt I might have been willing to give him and according to his FBI buddy this isn't the first time Sam right? can do better is Dr. Uh, Frazier single? because that's a ship I could get behind ah hey yes meanwhile Daniel's ex is back in town stalking his dreams in a very roundabout attempt to get him to translate a thing for her Sarah, I know you're a ghoul now, 
But you used to be a respectable archaeologist, and somewhere in your brain is the knowledge that you can't carbon date stone artifacts. <laughs> maybe she meant like uh, radiological dating or something, right? Maybe there's some, yeah. maybe there's some U two thirty five in there or something. So so so, Rowan, that's my question. As, as our resident archaeologist, <laughs> is there a way that she could have dated that that wasn't carbon dating? I don't know the answer. Please let me know. Uh, Rowan continues, the A and B plots converge in a stakeout of Daniel's bedroom, where once again, Officer Pete has no respect for Sam's boundaries or any sense of professional ethics. He ends up getting himself injured. And am I supposed to feel sympathy right now? <laughs> the true romance in this episode is the one line between Teal'c that and that box of donuts. <laughs> Oh, poor Dilk. Yes. Mm. All right. Uh, they continue. Will Brent and Zach be as annoyed with Officer Pete as I am? Let's say a three from Brent and a three and a half from Zach, since there is some ongoing plot arc relevance. This episode has an IMDb rating of 7.3, which is 3.5 yep. chevrons, putting it in the bottom half of Stargate episodes overall. Yep. Um... Well, you, you overestimated my prediction. You underestimated Brent, but no, I mean, but but Brent but, also put the pin in there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I mean, if I'm thinking about it with with Pete as shown, it's a three. But I, but I just I can feel it in my gut. I mean, especially because they just make really strong illusions. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of told me that he's going to be back in a lot of different ways. But I mean, they they ended it with he's going to be back, and I'm like, I can't have this creep in my SGC. So I got to pretend that he's actually the good guy that they say he is. So that's why I went. There you go. Uh, Jen uh, comments to Rowan that the Meg Ryan comparison is spot on. Mm -hmm. Her outfits (laughs) scream, I'm a female. Nothing bad in general, but I thought they exaggerated her wardrobe here to make a statement. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Rowan then responds that the dress she was wearing in the cafe was a real statement. And and the statement was, hello, have you noticed my chest? Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, okay. So those are our um, Facebook stuff. All right. And now we have some emails. Okay. Um, we start with Justin. Hi, Justin. Oh, this isn't too long, relatively speaking. <laughs> Holy disjointed storytelling, Batman. We're jumping <laughs> yes. from Daniel from the past to confident Carter caroused with a cop to odd SG-1 banter humming to high-tech Osiris stalking Daniel for his dreams as part of a cunning plan to reintroduce the MacGuffin from the first episode of the season. At last, Teal'c and Sam had exposition for breakfast while Daniel still doesn't know what side his bagel is buttered on. We (laughs) can move on with what was teased as an epic season but so far has been lackluster. Mm. Oh, it hasn't been that bad, Justin. Anyway, I love fourth wall breaks in general, but why the theme song? Because she literally couldn't think of anything else to hum at that point in time. It was funny. I like. It was that funny. One. I liked it. Teal'c offers some gym wisdom, pumping Daniel filled of full of pop psychology <laughs> about dreams before slapping across the face with his big insult about Daniel's life, disqualifying him from sleeping well. <laughs> Although technically you can't carbon date anything that doesn't sequester atmospheric carbon and the physical properties of the Dunder Miffin uh, seem to suggest that it doesn't. 
<laughs> this episode, like Hans und Franz, has been disturbing in many levels. Nothing more so than a date crashing someone else's wedding anniversary party or possibly conducting an operation within a civilian neighborhood without setting up a perimeter or having right. backup because right. then the stakeout could stake out the stake at stake out stake out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Is that like buffalo 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 buffalo? Well, buffalo. something like that because yeah. then the stakeout could stake out the stake out stake out. Uh, why the heck does Daniel sleep without blankets? He's because he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Osiris goes pew pew with her finger guns and the gasoline donuts that Tilk stocked with a van go boom. But she falls asleep and wakes up conveniently human again. While I'm glad Sam is in a relationship, there is no Section 11 of the National Security Act. Uh, but I don't know if that's stranger than David DeLuise trying to audition for RDA's job with all his jokes. This question hums more episodes than it... Uh, never mind. This has gone in on long enough. I'll slam on the brakes and we can hand wave everything else. Three for yeah. Brent because he has a buffer zone between emancipation and everything else. Four and a half for Zach because of all the things, all the things. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much, pretty much right on. All right. We have now Dan. Hi, Dan. Dan says, come try a, amigos. Long time no email. What a Good great to episode you. to come back to. Sam's got a boyfriend. Mm. Daniel's dreaming about his ex. Teal desires donuts and Jack. Well, he's Jack. Daniel shows off those pythons. Yeah, he's an archaeologist. <laughs> Sam is in a dress. Yowza. Classified hospital conversations. Oh, my. There's so much going on, it's hard to keep track. But let's try, right? Lessons to be learned. One, love can be hum-worthy, right? I have to say, there was something about the tune. I can't quite place it. Number two, Daniel apparently can have conversations in his sleep. Maybe because it was Jack. Weird. Three, talks talks about friend... Talk about... Talks between friends should be a little disturbing. I don't know what Tilk was concerned about when talking to Daniel about dreams. Number four, quarks are good, right? Number five. Oh, yeah, they're great. Yeah. I sincerely hope they made Pete fill out a witness report while he was in the infirmary, and he actually used the phrase, chicks with laser beams and glowing eyes. That's great. So, <laughs> I do have one major problem with this episode. Am I the only one who thought it was creepy that Pete went as far as running an FBI-level background check on Sam seems a bit much for a woman you've just met. Uh, yes. You're not Yes, wrong. that is creepy. Yep. I'm going to say this will be a six for me for all the story arcs, both new and old. A six from Brent and yes. a five and a half from Zach. <laughs> Looking Dang, at the rest close. of the season, in my opinion, this is the best stretch of Stargate there is, save for one outlier. I'm excited to see how this goes. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. Have you made a decision regarding the Stargate Con in Chicago in June? I'm planning on be there, being there on, oh, for the fun. Saturday at least. It, but it'll be awesome to have a meet and greet. Holy smokes, my real life has been so busy that I forgot that that con exists. Uh, I can't even, yeah. It, like, is, is it possible? Is uh, it in two months? 
two months? Uh, I don't know. How about we say this? Because we're only talking about it now and there's no way that people can make good plans like this. How about we say, don't plan on it. Don't plan on it. But it's not impossible. It is not impossible. But but don't plan on it. Uh, any, any type of meet and greet will have to be kind of a spur of the moment thing if it yes, happens. That's right. Uh, thank you, Dan, for reminding me that that exists, and that's the thing. <laughs> because my life has been so busy that I kind of forgot about it. Oh, me too. Me too. All right. Uh, we have a, an, an email from Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Brent and Zach. I'm 100% here for Teal's interest on interpreting dreams. Uh-huh. He's being a good friend to Daniel and listens well enough to realize that Osiris could be behind the dreams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Daniel Sarah Osiris story could have been fleshed out and fleshed out more and would have improved the episode. Mm. Then there's the other part of the episode featuring Sam's new love interest, Stalker I'm a Cop Pete. <laughs> Stalker Pete is not liked for many reasons. But what I haven't seen discussed is how such an atrociously bad character was added in the series. Yeah. Pete Shanahan's abusive, unethical, and illegal behavior isn't presented as needing to be redeemed, and that makes this part of the episode irredeemable. Yeah. That's despite the fact that Amanda Tapping's acting is fantastic, her Kevin her chemistry with David Louise is good. Yeah. I think the writer's room was trying to fit too many pieces in one episode, and the best way to get Pete to the action at the end was stalking, which gave Pete exactly what he wanted more access to, which gave Pete exactly what he wanted, more access to Sam's life. The writers didn't bother to ask if that was behavior that should be rewarded. Yeah, right. We shouldn't have to point out that stalking is bad, and that rewarding (laughs) men for stalking sets a bad example. Mm-hmm. Men need to do better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can do and do do. And so we shouldn't be celebrating this garbage. Brent sees the mess and gives it a three. Yeah. Zach also I mean, sees the mess yeah. and gives it a two and a half. Oh! Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned, um, I mean, I would be giving the character of Pete a zero. Yeah. And yeah, and the 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 goodness, in my opinion, of the 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 Daniel Osiris story pulls it up to a three, and mm-hmm. Brent has talked about his connection there. So yep. Uh, yep. P.S. I want to include one more bit from my initial two pages of review because it includes a PSA. Pete is generous and affectionate with Sam until she doesn't give him what he wants, at which point he withdraws all affection. This is love bombing and it's abuse. Yep. Uh, she has a link here. Um, and Lydia Ann, if you are on Facebook, I invite you to take those links and add those to the Facebook. I think that's good. Um, I know social media sites sometimes make it difficult to link off site, but this is a form of abuse that is often overlooked and should be discussed more openly. Yeah. Um, you are right. Uh, you could have made, the writers could have made the Pete character, which is somebody we're supposed to like, somebody that we actually could like. Uh, yeah. I'm having, and I said it before, I mean, I'm not kidding. The I'm, I'm literally just doing gymnastics to ignore a bunch of red flags so that I can play along with what the story is wanting me to do. Yes. Uh, our final prediction uh, email comes from David. Hi, David. 
David has a bias against this episode, so here's an encoding buffer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He says, uh, half of this episode is great. A case could be made for three quarters of it, maybe. The rest is Pete, I'm a Deloise, to Shanahan. Mm. Brent, back on April 3rd, when you were covering Grace, I said something about an A-plot coming out of nowhere. This, that's this episode. Somewhere between Grace and Chimera, Sam went on Tinder, swiped right on Pete, and started dating him. (laughs) Sorry, just got reminded that there was no Tinder in 2004. How did people meet in 2004? I've been married so long, I don't think I could ever figure out how to find someone today to date if my life depended on it. You know, I, I can I, remember, I, I went on a coffee date with somebody and it went nowhere, but it was just in 2002. And I'm sitting here like, how did I know her? And I cannot for the life of me figure out where, how, we, how we connected up at all. Like, it wasn't friends. It was something else. But internet dating wasn't around then, I don't yeah. think. And I mean, so I'm just like, how did we do that? And so, yeah. Julie and I got married in 2001. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, st- I, I took myself off the, the dating market um, before the turn of the century. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me sound old. It oh, sure wait. does. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Sorry, carry right. on. Carry on. Carrying on. Um, David continues. Point being, somewhere between Grace and Chimera, Sam and Pete meet met. That's the swerve from the opening scene. If yeah. they had just met, then what he did in the episode would have been even worse. Yes. Why am I gone going on about this? I don't know. Somebody's at me, please. Please. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> that uh, was all written out, by the way. I figured. <laughs> uh, he continues. Where was I? Ah, the final Deloise brother gets a role in Stargate, and he gets makeout scenes with Amanda Tapping. Isn't nepotism great? <laughs> too, pa- too bad Pete is bordering on creepy by using all his police powers to get background on Sam. I'm sure at this point everyone else commenting on this episode has said similar things about Pete, the worst, Shanahan, so I'll stop. <laughs> the rest of the episode was great, though. Brent. Yeah. Two chevrons for Pete the Creep, six yeah. for everything else, weighted yeah. average of five. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's yeah, that's sensible. Okay. That's almost Zach- what we did. Gets five chevrons as well because he got to zap me and that was fun for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, yes, David. Yes, Be- even though I didn't realize it until just now, that was quite enjoyable. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for that epic, yeah, thanks, everybody. epic set of comments. Yeah, um, I appreciate all of your thoughts. Uh, on this episode. Brent. Yeah. Our next episode mm-hmm. is entitled Death Knell. And while I'm sure you want to think of it as putting a death knell into this episode of Chimera, that's not where they go. So you got to go somewhere else. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But what is Death Kay. Knell all about? Um, Death Knell. Death Knell. All right. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team plus two travel through the Stargate to find themselves on a new world. 
strange new world. Uh, strange? Is it? Is it? Is it a whole new world? A whole new world. Um, so they go to this new world, and they bring along Dr. Sarah Gardner and Officer Pete Shanahan. Had to think of his name again. <laughs> and they have an off-world adventure, you see, because they they brought out all these people up there, and it's and it's of course it's complicated because Sam is dating Pete, and so how's that gonna play out? Is this a good call? Doesn't matter. It's happening in this episode. Off they go on this gallivanting little new world, and they find themselves a flying carpet. No, that's not a flying carpet. That's a piece of technology, an alien piece of technology. But it could be useful. Let's go categorize it. Anyway, they go do their thing, and but all of a sudden, they hear it. Dong. What was that? That's a bell. What's a bell doing in this world? I don't know. Bells, bells, bells exist. Dong. I don't like the sound of that. It sounds ominous. Sure does sound ominous. It almost sounds like a death knell. Dong. And then from the tree line, everyone looks around. But Pete, Pete, he's dying. Oh, no. Samantha Carter can't have a boyfriend for two episodes. Oh, man. For whom does the bell toll? It tolls for thee, Pete Shanahan. Join us next time when Pete <laughs> Shanahan bites it in Death Knell. <laughs> oh, boy. Well. Uh, how, uh, what do you think? Uh, we're going to have the death of Pete Shanahan in this one? So, I, I will say that uh, while I generally don't like violence and death and things like that, um, the the death of of Pete the Creep Shanahan um, does not you know m- make me cringe as much as it probably should. Um, Agreed. Uh, <laughs> also, that is not what this episode is about. Oh dang it! Okay, well, Pete will survive this episode. I promise. Okay. All right. Shall we watch the promo? Yes, I am ready. I am hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Lieutenant Glenn, what's happening? We're under attack. We just picked up cool ships entering the atmosphere. Colonel Riley's ordered to meet back to Beta. We're bugging out right now. This alliance may seem to be something we cannot afford. Uh-oh. How much longer? Finished! Oh, no! Oh, no! That wasn't Pete. Oh, that no, that thing. thing! Dang it. While an alliance crumbles. We have been fighting the Golden Lord for thousands of years. You have no right to question our methods. Where is she? I don't know. I don't oh no! Know. She's still alive. Loyalties are tested while the fate of the galaxy hangs in the balance. The Tok'ra spy among them. That's impossible. If we had someone on the inside, I would have known about it. Are you sure? It's all next time Uh-oh. on Stargate SG-1. Dang, are we going to see the death of the Alliance with the Tok'ra? Shoot. That doesn't bode well. The, there's all sorts of things happening next week. Yeah. And we'll talk about it next time. Yeah. Uh, special thanks to David for sending yeah, us those promos, you, doing those promos. They're awesome. Yay. Love them. They're great. Yeah, big time. Uh, despite what the YouTube commenters say, they're dumb. You're cool. <laughs> Don't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> the internet is full of people who have one goal in life, and that's to make other people feel bad. Don't engage. The trolls are going to troll. 
Um, and for those who, and I, I, I say this again, for those who say, what are you doing? I could totally do better. Then you call them up and says, I would like to invite you to participate in this little project to see how the heck you do. Yeah, then do it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I want to see. I bet yeah. you you can't. <laughs> yes. These these are great. I, I love these. And, and, and they, they fit uh, perfectly with what we're trying to do and with this project. So, Oh, woo. yeah. Yes. It's great. So much fun. Yep. Oh, well, uh, normally I say, tell us what you think about this episode. You can email us at Walking Through the Struggle and all that stuff. Um, by all means, if there is more that you need to say, you are welcome to say it. Um, yes. There's also been a lot that's been said. Um, so, all that stuff. Um, walking through Stargate, gmail.com, at Stargate Walking, the Facebooks, <laughs> the Discords, the websites. Oh, we, I think uh, we did forget the website. Yeah, that's fine. We're good. We're good. All, all that, that good stuff. All that stuff. So, until next time, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you that next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.